Welcome to Help From Future Self. Hey, what's happening, Archons? Welcome to Help From Future Self, the casual Keyforge podcast hosted by and listened to by Keyforge pals the world around. My name is Scuzzy Gruen, but you can call me Alex, and I am joined, as always, by my Keyforge chums. It's the wheeling Keyforger, Rick. Hey, what's up? And Coach Boulevard Paper Fight. What's happening, Blake? Hey, what's going on, everyone? Has there been a more eventful week for Keyforge in the history of the game? I don't think so. I would say not. All right, let's let's quickly run this down. Since the last time we had an episode out, uh, last week, uh, we've had both the Vault Warrior announcement and we've seen the new set leak out into the wild just this very day. Mm-hmm. How crazy is that just as a general thing to have happen? Yeah, that is that is pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, it's just unbelievable. And not to mention when the announcement happened, you had uh, Richard Garfield go into some of the, the thought processes that he has and some of the things that are going to be happening with the game. Uh, one of those things being the procedurally generated card aspect. And for those of you not familiar with what he said or missed that announcement, when a card appears in a deck, it changes the way that it will be generated So, for example, there's a cultural exchange officer in Star Alliance. And when this card appears, it actually goes over to another house. And then, let's say it goes into a Brobnar house. Then a Brobnar card, like Ganger Chieftain, suddenly now appears in the Star Alliance house. So I think just that concept is so cool. And and he said that there's going to be more development with this concept because of the way Keyforge is. He can create this sort of idea to exist within the game, which you could not do with other collectible card games what do you guys think of that it's really exciting to me uh, both as just like he's obviously got ideas like Richard Garfield's a genius you know the the man mm-hmm. aside from obviously like creating Magic the Gathering is a person who has never stopped coming up with new ideas for new games he's got a, a game out with that guy who was like the 10 time you know world's Jeopardy champion right now because he Ken felt Jennings. like it, yes thank you uh, he felt like it would be fun to put together like a casual party game based on like knowledge. So, you know, he's obviously a person who thinks outside the box. He's not just concentrated on one thing and all of those things, him being able to bring those to Keyforge is really exciting for me. I love the fact that he's still really involved with the game as well uh, because there had been rumors for a little while. It's like, oh, you know, he's probably not that involved with Keyforge anymore just due to the nature of, you know, the game. And uh, I'm really excited to see that that's not actually the case. Yeah, like, not it, at all. It seems yeah. very much that he's still very much involved, and that's rad. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Uh, I also wanted to throw a card out here to you guys uh, that my buddy Arthur sent over to me uh, from the leaked uh, Keyforge sets that are showing up in Targets all over the U.S., probably not in Canada, or at least not that I've heard of so far in Canada. Gosh, I really want to see one of these like live and in person, and I hope that those of us who don't have access to Target won't have to wait too long to actually get to see uh, the new set, Worlds Collide. But a disc creature called Bornit. So let me throw this one out to you. Bornit's a disc creature. Three power, no armor. It's a demon, as you are in disc. Reap power. Reveal the top five cards of a player's deck. Purge a card revealed this way. Shuffle the other revealed cards into the deck. Yikes. That's, that sounds like trouble. Yeah, that's going to bring some pain. Not only is it going to bring pain, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, I, 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 you know, if you let that thing live, it's going to be worse than two Witches of the Eye. That's my, that's my initial reaction. Because yep. Witch of the Eye depends on you having good cards in your discard. 
This literally means you never get to play a good card. And with a pool of five coming up the top of someone's deck, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's very true. Yep. Blake, you world traveler, you're just back from France where you actually got to pick up some French Keyforge decks. And also, I understand, talk to some of the owners of the French game stores about Keyforge and how Keyforge is doing in that foreign land. How was that? Oh, it was awesome. I When I was in London, I stopped by a store and then and saw it was, it was a great, really active store and they had a lot of product, which was awesome. But in France, uh, was actually not the case. Uh, so I stopped by Majestic Games in France and I got to speak to the owner and ask them about their scene. And he said, actually, it's it's been dying currently and not for a lack of not having the community, but more so the interest in playing sealed with Age of Ascension has really died down and people are kind of saving their money and are getting prepped for Worlds Collide. Uh, they didn't have any French Call of the Archons, which I was a little bit disappointed about. Uh, apparently they said they can no longer get it. So I found that kind of interesting as well as they've stopped printing that foreign language of French in Call of the Archons. And yeah, they basically just said that people are not turning out right now. It's been lower turnouts, but they're not worried about it. They just know it's the low mm. before Worlds Collide comes out, which, I mean, I feel like we've kind of been experiencing that as well. I mean, even us yeah. personally, we've been choosing to not go to sealed events and just have a casual night instead. So I think that's kind of just the the way it is now is people are tired of opening these sometimes mediocre AOA decks and want to save their money to see what Worlds Collide can bring them in the future. After a month of Worlds Collide, I think it's going to be time for the three of us to sit down and have a real conversation about the legacy of AOA and where mm -hmm. AOA fits in. Because I think we've all been very fair in our assessments of AOA, we yes. were excited about the set when it came out. We've all played a ton of AOA and given AOA decks a fair shake. We know that there's some top tier AOA. We know that there are weaknesses in AOA against original Call mm -hmm. of the Archons decks. Once we really start to see what Worlds Collide can do, the deck or the, the set that was designed with knowledge of sort of uh, other sets in the wild, it's going to be time for us to really do a real acknowledgement of yes what that means and i think that's really interesting definitely agree although i must say that uh sealed aoa has been fruitful for me as i got two more time traveler decks but other than <laughs> that i'm ready for worlds collide yep we had decided that at the outset of this conversation we really wanted to talk about the vault warrior announcement and the vault warrior series of play events um there's obviously a lot to unpack with them but I think one of the most important things is the injection of money for play in Keyforge. What is that going to mean for the game? Let's start things off very basically by talking a little bit about the way that the Vault uh, Warrior Tour is going to work. There's going to be qualifiers. There's actually tryouts first. Sorry, tryouts, then qualifiers. Tryouts happen at a store level, then qualifiers. And those who do well in the qualifiers get to go to the championships, which are happening in Miami, Florida. It's all going to be contained within the course of a single year, as you would expect. And basically, let me just give you the cash breakdown on the championships. If you top 32 at the championships, you get 750 bucks US. Top 16, $2,000. Top eight, five grand. Top four, $7,500. If you are a finalist but not the champion, 12000 bucks. And if you are the grand champion of Vault Warrior Championships, $25,000. So let me start off with a very basic question. Blake, does the idea of winning money at Keyforge excite you? Indeed it does. I love it. I think it's a great idea. 
All right. What about you, Rick? Do you like the idea of possibly winning a little bit of money at Keyforge? I do, but at the same time, it scares me. All right. Why don't you elaborate on that? What about it scares you? I know how I am with my own mental health situation, and I can tilt in a game very, very badly and very, very quickly, and that would just throw me off if I have one bad game. And But winning money, the drive of it, because of my situation, I'm living on a very limited income. Mm-hmm. So seeing any of that prize money would just, it would be a dream come true. Yeah. But, but the mental health side of it scares me. I also think though, as, as well as it's, it's not as simple as, as it's just winning money though. That's the thing, because I, th- I think you have to realize the investment to be yeah, a part true. of it itself is so great yeah. that it's going to be, it's going to be interesting in that sense. Cause I mean, it's not they they said they were planning for like the qualifier ones to try and have tryouts uh stores that are holding tryouts are actually within a commuting distance of the qualifiers leading up to it so i mean that is one consideration but the actual commute to get there and have accommodations and whatnot if you add that up that's that's going to be probably a couple thousand dollars in in itself so, I mean, you have that investment going into it. So it's kind of a, it is a gamble in a way, but I mean, I think it's, it's a, it creates an interesting concept and evolution of Keyforge for many different reasons. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. So here's the, what I think the million dollar question is. I've heard two sides of this particular argument and I want to put them to both of you. Argument one says the Vault Warrior Tour is for elite level play and it doesn't affect the average Keyforge player unless they choose to try and go to those events, wherever they may happen to be. The flip side of that argument that I've heard is the fact that there's money in the game means that people will be attracted to Keyforge for that reason specifically, and those are the kinds of players who may cause strife within the player base because we have actually seen that in other games. People who play for money and whose love of the game is not necessarily for the love of the game itself. It's for trying to win money, or that becomes an overriding aspect of the way they want to play. Which of those arguments do you think uh, resonates most with you? The idea that this won't impact the average player, or the idea that it may attract players that will impact the average player? Rick? I honestly, honestly and truly think it's six of one and a half dozen of the other i think both can happen and the the people that come in just to because they want the money that scares me as well because that's the toxicity of other games that i've tried to get away from what about you blake well i actually this past week wrote an article about this subject for my archons corner weekly submission terrific article thank you yep uh, I'll put a link in in case people are interested because it's about etiquette online within Keyforge, and I and I kind of touch on the fact that I think that we as a community, the way we conduct ourselves at the store level, is a very unique thing, especially for me having come from a Magic and playing Pokemon background and being a part of those toxic communities. I think that if you demonstrate the decorum that we wish to have and to be a part of and to a degree condemn behavior that is not conducive to that theory. 
it's going to help people maybe realize that they don't need to act that way because a lot of that behavior comes from the toxic games that they were playing. And maybe when they become a part of an environment that does not have those elements present, they'll realize that they don't need to act that way. And that sort of behavior is not really warranted. And they'll evolve to become a part of this inclusive and fantastic community that we have created. And I just feel through all the discords, hearing other podcasts, interactions online, and my own experience in real life playing, that we have really fostered a fantastic community from welcoming new players. I mean, look what we got to experience this past week because of the great way that the store locator has been done in the app is we had three people from the US, two people from Seattle, and someone from Chicago, and they just happened to be passing through and looked up Keyforge events and they came and it was so pleasant. It was great having visitors from the US come in and join in in our game. We had a really good turnout and yep. it's fantastic. And I just think if we keep up this mentality of this is the way we play this game mm-hmm. and we hold people accountable to that, it will just strengthen anyone who comes in. I mean, you may have one experience where they act the way they're used to acting from their past gameplay, but I think over time you'll notice that will die away because they'll just notice that one, they're not included because they may get shunned if they're going to act that way, which is, I think, a very fair thing to happen. If you're going to act a certain way, you're not going to be included the same way because people Mm -hmm. don't want to reward that behavior. And I think this also translates online because my personal view is that you will probably see more of this type of world, sorry, this more of this vault warrior type player is going to show up online, maybe not so much in the store level because They're going to want to test decks and get reps in as quickly as possible and as fast as possible. And the way to do that is to play TCO. So that's where you're going to see it and you may start to notice this. And I think that's going to create two basically sides of a coin is one is where you don't really want to play games against random opponents anymore in the competitive room. And what's going to start happening is the Discord game setup aspect of Keyforge is going to become a lot greater and people are going to look to maybe start playing with people they know who they are they know the level of decorum that will exist in their gameplay and will just help you choose it how you want to play the game and i'm i'm on both sides i think you need to play against random opponents as well because you can let them know about what's going on and i also think you should set up games with people you do know and who you enjoy playing with and mm-hmm. get to have that relationship through the online gameplay a hundred percent agree with you i really find yep. the idea that modeling gameplay is the best way to get people to play the game in a way that's conducive to the community and that fits in with the community. So it's not about necessarily excluding people or laying down a code of context so much as just treating other people the way that you wish to be treated and showing people the way that the Keyforge community plays the game. And in my experience, it's always been exemplary. People are friendly. Mm -hmm. People don't get tilted. People honestly, genuinely try to help each other out. And that has been one of the wonderful and rewarding aspects of this game. And I would love to see that continue. And I would love to see people who are used to a more salty community around gameplay see how we do things over here in Keyforge and become a part of that. I I love that idea, Blake. And, and, you know, thank you very much for speaking up on that topic because I think that's that's a wonderful and positive attitude, especially where me, where I was feeling a little bit cynical about it, like, oh, boy, here we go. Now that money's involved, maybe we're going to see, you know, 
that particular caliber of player, the person who, you know, they don't care about the community, they don't care about the game, they don't care about the health of the their local scene. All they care about is trying to get a little bit of that cash money. Um, and do not get me wrong, the idea of winning money for playing Keyforge, very appealing to me, but I think there's also a lot of barriers that need to be addressed with that as well. Um, as with yeah. any kind of organized play that involves travel, it is going to be out of reach for so many people. Um, I know that yeah, there's well. discussions around this in the magic community constantly. People who have uh, disabilities, people who are economically not stable, uh, people who simply do not have the opportunity to get to the places where the events are happening because of the extreme cost or the difficulty or can't get time away from work or family are always going to be excluded in some ways. And it's always going to favor a certain kind of player has a certain level of assumed independence and to me that's still problematic um but there's also i mean i like that they didn't just say this and have this they also released the leader of the pack which is showing the casual store level support and creating a new event that exists mm -hmm. there so they're, they're thinking of all levels of play which is nice and i think part of this thought too is that you're going to see vault tours evolve as a result of this mm -hmm. because I mean, you are going to have some people who go to all of the events, but I think you're going to start to now see a shift where maybe these sponsored teams, for example, are no longer now going to the Vault Tours because they're now committed to this path of the Vault Warrior because if they have a sponsor, their sponsor is going to want to see a return on their investment. So I think we could start seeing potentially some of that top tier player migrate out of the vault tour and the vault tour becomes more of a much more fun competitive mm -hmm. rather than competitive competitive scene which i think could be cool as well and then again the evolution of the store level cat more casual game like the fact that they're going to start giving away decks with alternate art moving forward mm -hmm. is such a cool thing very cool i love that idea yeah, I certainly don't want to imply that FFG has put all of its eggs into the the uh, Vault Warrior uh, basket because that's simply not true. It's just another format amongst many, um, and the impact of it is yet to be seen. And, you know, it, it's going to change the game, but the way in which it will change the game and whether or not that will ultimately be a thing that affects people at the level that we play at 90% of the time is, you know, it's questionable, right? You know? Mm -hmm. We're three players who like to go to Chainbound, but we're also three players who like to go play casually. You know, both you and I, Blake, have been to some like big organized OP events in other cities, and we may again do that in future. But the question will be, you know, does Vault Warrior trickle down or does it remain isolated? We shall see. Yep. All right. It's time for another one of our favorite segments here on Help from Future Self. It's called... Help, Help from, future, from self. future Self. This is one I have from play that I had this week um, with some brand new decks. And it is one that I think is really, really important to consider, which is um, how much amber do you want to put into the game with your very first play if you were the first player? The answer is as much as possible. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think if you look at your opponent's deck list... And what you see is that they have a great deal of steal and capture at the outset. Sometimes it can be good to hold back a little bit on that and go with the strategic play on your first turn that will set you up later rather than just, I'm going to throw down the terror and get two uh, amber. Or I'm going to throw down a treasure map and get four amber. Or I'm going to throw down a fertility chant and get four amber, give my opponent two amber. 
I think sometimes putting that amber into the game, if you have no real follow-up in your hand for next turn, if you're the first player, can actually be disadvantageous. It can be putting stuff that your opponent can take advantage of that you may not got the opportunity to take advantage of immediately. So it's a thing that happened to me in one of the games that I played. Um, I got amber in the game on my very first turn with the Virtuous Works, and my opponent just took all of it and ran off to the races with it, and I had no follow-up to it. I wasn't thinking about what my follow-up to my big initial amber burst play was going to be. So just think about the amber you're putting into the game, especially at the very beginning, especially on your first turn. What are you going to do with it? Can your opponent take advantage of it before you can take advantage of it? If it's going to be a couple turns for you to get your board going before you can get up to a key, maybe hold back that Virtuous Works. Maybe hold back that Fertility Chant. Maybe put down a card that has no immediate, immediate value for you, but that's going to set you up for other stuff later on, like, say, a Professor Sutterkin or an Archimedes. That's my help from Future Self. What do you think about that, guys? I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I see yeah. where you're coming from. Yep. Very good point. All right. Now, before you uh, segue out, Alex, mm-hmm. there is something that I wanted to let you know about because I know you haven't seen the latest Crucible cast. And that is everyone knows that Scuzzy Gruen is named after Fuzzy Gruen, his favorite character. And it was revealed on it that there is a, a Fuzzy Gruen plush. And Alex, I can tell you that it has been confirmed they're getting thousands of them made because it is going to become a vault tour prize wall staple. That's very exciting to me. So we need to get Scuzzy a fuzzy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for bringing that up. I am extremely excited about that as a prize wall item. I'm saving up my shards. I'm hoping I'll get the opportunity sometime in the next couple of months to be able to hit up an event that has those um somebody pointed out to me on twitter in the background of the announcement but i didn't actually watch the crucible cast so i didn't get to know where if it was going to be a regular item that would be available to everybody but that and vinyl figures are apparently going to be a new thing as well that they're going to have as prizes you can get too dope dope yep um one of the interesting things that I think, and we talk about this all the time, is the nature of Keyforge being a unique card deck game where you cannot supplement your deck in any way. You can't swap anything out. You can't customize. Opens up a lot of options for things that you can get as prizes because the emphasis isn't on just my prize should be better cards or more cards. It can be so many other things, and I think they've been showing a ton of creativity in that regard. Um, another thing I really wanted to bring up because I think it's super cool, is that there's been a bunch of enhancements to uh, the Crucible. Um, we just saw that they've added Archon cards to the game so that literally you can look at your opponent's Archon card at the beginning without having to go to the Master Vault. That's super cool. Tokens have been changed to resemble their IRL counterparts. That's super cool. And they launched their own Patreon. I will be donating to Patreon for the Crucible on a monthly yes. basis because I get so much use out of that free tool I agree. that has been coded out yep. of the goodness of people's hearts. It is one of the best ways to experience Keyforge, and it is a ridiculously useful thing to have for players new and old. I learned to play on the Crucible. I wouldn't be in the game right now if it wasn't for the Crucible. So Mm -hmm. I got to give a big shout out to the folks on over there, my buddy Arthur and everybody working on that. Um, And if you folks want to get involved, then go over to Patreon and throw some money at the Crucible online so they can continue to develop it, add new sets, add new features, and make it one of the coolest things in the world of Keyforge. That is it for yet another episode. My name is Scuzzy Gruen, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram under that name. I'm also on The Crucible under that name. Rick, where can they find you? On The Crucible, Rickster78, and on Twitter at The Wheeling Keyforger. 
Right on. Blake, what about yourself? You can find me at Boulevard Paper Fight on Twitter. That's BLVD Paper Fight, as well as uh, my weekly article that goes out on Archon's Corner pretty much every Saturday. Whether you're playing Coda, whether you're playing Age of Ascension, or whether you are one of the lucky few to snatch up a Worlds Collide set, until we speak to you next time, take those Archons and stay forging. Stay forging.